Good morning, everybody. And welcome to Greater Alton Church and Merry Christmas to everybody. I mean, I know it's kind of gloomy, but man, it's kind of nice in here. You guys are singing awesome. I'm back here putting last touches on my lesson, you know, working feverishly and, and all this singing, just maybe get out of that room and go, I'm singing with everybody. So it's great to, great to be together this morning. A couple of things in your bulletin just want to remind you of, and it's very important you remember this, okay? And that is that next week we're going to be having our candlelight Christmas Eve service at 6 p.m. We will not be meeting at 10 a.m. We won't. So if you come here, I think we might have somebody volunteer to be Ebenezer Scrooge and say, Bah humbug, come back at 6. Some of you are thinking, I know somebody who can volunteer for that. No, uh, no, we'll be meeting at 6 p.m. next week, uh, next weekend. And also, uh, I believe we have a next year is here banquet that we've planned January the 7th. Yeah, we're going to be ringing in the new year a week later, of course. We're going to be talking about the past year of 23 and what, what our plans are for 24. And if you're needing help with that, we want everybody to, everybody to join us, to eat, enjoy our, uh, together. And if you're having maybe a little trouble with that, talk to somebody you know. Say, hey, could somebody help me with a ticket or something? We'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, you can find more information at the Welcome Center. Um, Let's see. And lastly, I just want to say thank you for those of you who are here helping with Montessori and getting things ready for the Montessori Christmas uh, uh, program. This place was packed, and there was guys out parking cars. It was it was it was nuts around here. And I just want to say, the rest of us want to say thank you for representing our church with your hospitality and and your volunteering for that. Okay. Okay. So we're wrapping up a series now. Uh, finally, called "This Is Us." We've been spending several weeks. I believe this is lesson number 13 or it's it's been a lot of lessons. Yeah. And we've been looking at the kind of church that God wants or the kind of church Jesus dreams of having. And it's our prayer as a leadership in this church that the rest of us, that all of you here will join us in making the kind of church that God wants here at Greater Alton. It's going to take all of us to do that. Uh, The kind of church that worships God, that God is first and, and he's worshiped that's devoted to that, that wants to be a family, to be a healthy family, a healthy church family. There's a lot of churches that get together and they act like a family, but not the kind of family you want. And Jesus wants us to love each other. He wants us to be a family like that. And he wants us to be a place where we can grow and mature in Christ. He doesn't want us to sit in rows and, and just kind of sing and be entertained, but he wants us to really get serious about the scriptures and serious about what the Bible says. And applying and, apl- and applying that in our everyday lives. And he wants us to be a church that serves as well. That we serve not only here and each other, but we also serve wherever we are. We're, when we're at the workplace or we're in our community, we're one of the first people to show up and help because Jesus calls us to serve. And lastly, we've been looking at here last week and this week that he wants us to fulfill the mission, the mission he's given his church and that's to seek and save the lost and help others find Christ. I don't know much, uh, many things that are more thrilling than watching someone become a Christian or what, being involved in it. Man, that is so exciting to see maybe a family member. I've, I've, I've um, got to share my faith with my mother, and she was a serious church-going, serious about Jesus uh, follower, and I'd say, Mom, there's a few other things could we look at and it was so exciting for her to see what I was what I was noticing myself and watching her go, I'm doing that. Watching my brother become a Christian. 
It's exciting. My, my cousins becoming, but also friends that I meet. Some of my best friends. Some of them are even gone now. I've done their funerals. Oh, the excitement when you see on their face that they get it. They see it. And they want to do something about it. And so they go, I want to get baptized now. And we're like, oh, no, you can't do that. No, no. We say, sure. <laughs> and, we, and what do we do? We come, we find, any, I've baptized people in rivers, in ponds, in horse troughs, and even in this thing. And I just, I just think about, we gather around and we start singing. We're part of a family and there's just everybody smiling. It's an exciting time. Uh, if you ever get to experience that. And I'm looking into the faces of, of, of a church here. You want to see that. I know you want to see that. You, you're after that. You would love to see that. Why? Because it's so thrilling to watch the gospel at work, the power of the gospel at work in somebody. And you just sit back and go, man, that is just awesome to watch and awesome to experience. And yet I know many of you here may find that this idea of leading people to Christ can be one of the scariest, most intimidating things that you've ever faced. I don't know what to say. I don't even know where to begin. I get it. I'm the, I feel the same way. Had it happened to me just this week. And so there's this fear that kind of starts messing with our, messing with us, messing with our mouth. The fear of being canceled. Boy, if there's ever a time to get canceled, you get canceled right and left anymore in our culture. Am I right about that? Yeah, and you don't want to, you don't want your, your, your uh, family member or a friend that you've, you've loved so much and you're wanting to share with them the greatest news in the world and all of a sudden they got a problem with you. It hurts to see that. And yet that's, that's a risky thing to do. And maybe you're afraid, oh, I might make a mistake. What if I say the wrong things? What, what if I make it worse? What if I make it worse? I've been in some studies where, i got to admit, I've shared my faith and I've made it worse. I don't want to do that. I want it to be great. And so do you. And there's, and there's other times when we find it just it's our, our confidence in what we're doing and, and, and confidence in what we could say. It's just not there. And so we don't know where to start. Well, that's what I want to do today. I want to talk a little bit about this. And I've got 10 points in this lesson. Boy, this is a marathon. So I hope you brought your sack lunch. And if you don't, Bob Quick's probably got a snack for you. Okay, so. But uh, I want to talk with you about this idea. What can I do? What are some things I can do? I'm not saying you do all 10, but you could start. Maybe maybe when you look at this list, you go, you know what? I do four and eight and maybe nine, but man, there's a couple there. I, You might want to circle. I'm going to work on those. Because I'll tell you, church, God has given us a mission, and every one of us, every one of us plays a part in whether or not we're able to fulfill that mission as Greater Alton Church. What you do is just as important as what anybody else you think of. Oh, what they do is so important, what I do. No, that's not true. All of us here, we're all in this together, and we all, by working together, if we'll take, listen, if somebody here, if you'll take a step, You'll stretch a little bit. You'll, you'll, you'll uh, find ways to improve your mission skills, let's say it that way, all right? Or if, if you can just find a way to, you know, I, I want to learn how, from maybe somebody else, how to share my faith better. If, you, if, some, if any of us would do this, all of us would do this, just take one step to improve you make this church, we are able to reach your friends and family 
the rest of us can help you. Does that make sense? You know, it just, you know, here we are, home field advantage on Sunday morning, man. Here we are, you know, and just like a lot of football teams today will win because they have a home field advantage, it's home field advantage. I, this is the best team we got here on the planet right here. And so you, you're surrounded by good, helpful people and lots of resources. And so it's when we just personally take that step, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to improve all the, the impact it'll make um, in our community, what this church could be. Let me give you 10 ways you can fulfill God's mission. Here's the first one. I talk with God about my mission. It has to start with prayer. Before I talk to anybody, I probably ought to talk to God, huh? Make sense? Why? Why is that so important? Well, prayer shows, you, shows God I'm really serious about this, but it also prepares me and it opens doors. There's lots of passages in the book of Acts that, that prove, that show this, that prayer is a major factor. You know, even Jesus, when he started his mission, when he started his ministry, he prayed for 40 days. He, he spent fasting and praying about it. So it must be important. And throughout the book of Acts, you see this connection between prayer and conversions. I just started looking this morning again, just going, yeah, what's going on here? Acts 2, there's 3,000 baptisms. But if you just back up a little bit, they're in an upper room praying. This 120 people and the 12 disciples, they're praying. And, and as you continue to read the scriptures, you find, you find moments where the Cornelius is praying. Peter is praying on his roof. And a conversion takes place. Ethiopia eunuch is studying his Bible. He'd just come from Jerusalem worshiping. Is he doing some praying? That looks like it to me. I would think worship would include some prayer. And you've got a guy named Philip who is a deacon, a, a special servant in the church full of the Holy Spirit. I bet you, and he's a worshiper. I bet you he's a praying man. And all of a sudden, these two guys connect. God puts them together. You, you look at the Apostle Paul. He's been praying for three days. And Ananias, who comes to him and talks to him, is a devout worshiper of God who's also devoted to prayer. You just see this constant, all this stuff back and forth. And what it dawned on me was, I just, I, this is what challenged me. It challenged me a ton. What's at the top of my prayer list? What do I pray about a lot? What do I put on my prayer card? Because the early church, it seemed like the top of their prayer list was, was sharing Jesus. That seems, that's what I notice here. That seems to be the... the uh, in other words, I know... And listen, by, by the way, I, my, I just found out my brother, my older brother, may have, may have colon cancer. I just found that out today. Okay? And I, what do you think I'm going to be praying about? I've got an uncle that has cancer. He has a much long to live. What do you think I'm going to be praying about? What do you think is going to be on my prayer list? Of course. And some of us here will fill out our cards and we'll, and we'll say, I've got so-and-so that's in the hospital, so-and-so's in the ER, so-and-so's going through a surgery. I'm not saying don't pray about that. We ought to be praying about that. I need a job. I'm, I'm, I'm needing some money. I'm needing some help. I'm, I'm, I'm needing some direction. Those are very important things to pray about. We should continue to pray about those things. And people like crazy... But look what's at the top of the Apostle Paul's prayer list here in Ephesians 6. He says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I can fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. What's, what's, what do I put in my card? And I'm not saying stop putting those people on your card or your needs on the card. 
But I wonder if I ought to start praying about this and pray for you, that you speak fearlessly the mystery of the gospel. Here's the second one. I recognize the value of teamwork. I just mentioned that uh, a second ago. You know, most conversions are a result, uh, it's a team effort. In fact, your conversion is, think about it, it was more than one person involved. Am I right about that? Of course. You know, Paul mentioned some people. Let me, let me rifle these out here. Apollos, Aquila and Priscilla, Timothy, Titus, Urbanus, Clement, Justice, Epaphroditus. Man, what a bummer name. That sounds like a disease. Epaphroditus. Oh, you've got Epaphroditus. No, no, he's my buddy. <laughs> and, and, and if you look at all these, every one of these guys, when they're mentioned, these people, they're mentioned as Paul's co-workers. They're co-workers. In fact, if you type in co-worker and do a quick search on Bible Gateway, you're going to find this passage in the NIV. Where a very, very familiar passage, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow, for we are co-workers in God's service. He said, yeah, we're co-workers. And so it's, it's so important that we think about this idea of teamwork. Why? Because two are better than one. And, and when people work together, they can accomplish so much more. Now, the thing that's interesting about teamwork is this. Not everybody does the same job. Let's remember that. You know, today, I know some of you are going to go home or maybe you're going to go to lunch and you're going to watch on the screen, maybe football. And, and you're going to notice something. And, and, and the coaches, I always say, so coach, what'd you tell the team before the game? And what'd you tell the team at halftime? It's the same thing. Uh, it's, oh, somehow they say something like this. Well, I talked to the team and I told them, I said, guys, if you just do your job, just do your job and we'll be just fine. You know, I, I, can you imagine a 360 or 260 pound lineman walks up and goes, hey, coach, I, I don't want to do that job. I want to be the quarterback. Uh, you can't be the quarterback. Why not? I can throw the ball. No, you can't. <laughs> but I want to throw the ball. I know you want to, and I think that's great. But who's going to block? I got Ernie right here. He weighs 115 pounds. He'll kill him out there. Well, he said, he, I don't like being the wide receiver anymore. I want to be on the line. Are you sure you want to do that? No, everybody's got a different job. And any team that would do, would do that is suicide. Would you agree? Yeah, that's crazy. No, we all do different things. Maybe somebody here just good at inviting. I don't know what it is, but you have the best pickup lines there is when it comes to evangelism. I don't know why, but you just are, you're gifted. I've been around some of you and you bring up Christ and I go, man, that was so smooth. Man, that's, I, I'm going to remember, I'm stealing that one. I'm going to try that. And some of you here, you just open up your Bible. You're great at Bible, opening up your Bible. At this time, that's where you are. And thank God that there's somebody here that can open up their Bible and help somebody. Aren't you glad? I bring my friend. I, I don't know what to do. I brought him to you. Oh, let's, okay. Well, let's, let's get in our Bibles. And some people open up their pocketbook. Maybe they don't have a lot of Bible verses yet. Or, or they're not great at talking. They, I'm not, my tongue gets twisted and I stutter. That's okay. That's okay. But you know what? I got some money. I'll help buy pizza or I'll, help, I'll open up my home. That's what I'll do. I'll open up my home. I'll do it that way. Or maybe somebody's just really good at encouraging. My mother, in her 90s now, 
And I remember she had studies, just constantly studying with women. Well, she's not studying with women as much. What's she do now in her 90s? She encourages. She sends a card. She shoots a text. She's talking to somebody and they're going, they're talking and then she'll say a little, little glip of wisdom. Uh, she does that to me often, a little advice. Okay, she tells me what to do. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But I think that's, that's what all of us do this. And all of us working together like this, it, it just, it helps so much. Listen, church, I know on Sundays you're expecting whoever's up here they're A-game, am I right? I just brought a buddy. Don't embarrass us. Don't pick your nose, you know. I'll try not to, sorry. You know, but, but, but am I right? You expect to be a, a, the worship team. You don't want people singing off key up here. Oh, my goodness. They came of all Sundays. Oh, my goodness. No, you want, it to be, you want them to be prepared and bring their A-game. Why? Because they're your coworkers. Can I tell you, I need coworkers. I need you to be my coworker. I don't. I, I'm saying, I if I bring somebody, I need you to be on your A game. When you when you come, are you on your A game or is it your B or C or D game? I'm telling you, as a church, you know, um, I'm always concerned about are we rude to people? Because churches tend to be. I don't know if you noticed this, but they tend to be rude to people. They they can be. They, and I'm just saying, you know, what, what can I do? Well, I could be nice. I could smile. I could say hi. When it gets time to mingle a little bit, you know, and we're all mingling, they'll sit there like a couple of bowling pins. Move, move over. You don't have to go to the other side of the room. Just, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. Boy, that was tough. I'm sitting back down. That's great. That's a great step. Oh, some, some of us, Sydney's not that way at all. She'll meet everybody, okay? I, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just that, that kind of stuff. If we could just be that kind of thing because we all need each other. Here's number three. I form good friendships. I form good friendships. In other words, I just be a friend. I may not know a passage, but I can get to know people. I may not know the scriptures right now. I may not know as what, I don't even know where to start. That's fine, but you can at least be friendly and become a friend. Someone, uh, years ago I read this in Proving Your Serve by Chuck Swindle. Someone placed in, uh, this ad in a Kansas City newspaper and it said this, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. The guy got 10 to 20 calls a day. <laughs> what? Why? Because people are starving for friendships. And especially after COVID and, th- and this cell phone culture we're in, you know, people, I don't know about you, but I love FaceTime. I love that. Be able to, I, I get with a guy, I will get with him every Monday morning at 6.30. We FaceTime and talk about our sermons. And uh, James and I have been doing this now for since 2020. And we were before that meeting face-to-face. There's just something about that. And I like that. I'm all for that. But I know people are starving for a friend. Someone who will listen to them without interrupting them. That will listen to their story without trying to top them with their story. Just to somebody who just be kind and be there. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, I said something about, you know, I learned something at preacher school. When you go to funerals, show up and shut up. And someone said, Tim, I like that. I'm going to remember that. Sometimes that's what a good friend does. That's what Job's friends did for a, quite a while. 
they were doing really well till they opened their mouths, you know. They were quiet. They didn't say anything. They were just there. And that's what people are starving for. Why? Because friendships are powerful and they're influential. Look at this passage in Proverbs 27 in the message. A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Would you agree with that? Oh, man, there's some friends that just... I think Proverbs says there's a friend that's closer than a brother. And it's true. There's some friends you just go, man, I wouldn't have got through that. I don't, want, I don't know where to begin. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you helped me with that. Jesus was known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. In fact, here in Matthew 11, he said, my critics say, oh, he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And look what he says at the latter part of that verse. He says, but wisdom is shown to be right by its results. And what were the results of Jesus being a friend? They flocked to him. There's something attractive about a friendship. There's something good about friendship. Like I said before, it's not only how well you know a particular passage, but how well do you know the person? And listen, we all can be friends with someone. Just be a friend. Number four, I am clear and I'm kind. If I really want to fulfill God's mission in this culture nowadays, I've got to be clear. I can't, I can't um, compromise the message. Of course not. But I've got to be kind with it. We live in a crazy culture. Everybody wants to fight and argue. Have you noticed that? I mean, I watch, I, I, I am hooked on YouTube shorts. And I'm constantly, I just can't get enough of them. I'm watching them. Anybody else like me like that? You know, just sneak that hand up real quick. It's a short quick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, I love them things. And, man, I know, but I notice in some, man, a lot of people like to fight and argue. You ever met somebody that says, well, I like a good argument. I like to argue. It's healthy to argue. The Bible says it's sinful to do that. It says do everything without complaining and arguing. Are you kidding? And, and in, a, in a world right now, church, there are some churches, they're, there's, there's, they're known for so much they're against that nobody really knows what they're for because we're just so mean. Oh, man. And I... Here I am, I'm 66, and, I'm, and I've got that, you know, when you get older, you start getting a little bit, what do you call, what's the word? Drumudgeon. What's that? Drumudgeon. Whatever it is. Grumpy. grumpy, grumpy, frumpy, yeah, grumpy old men. They don't have a movie called Grumpy Young Men. It's Grumpy Old Men. Why? Because they kind of go there. And so I, I just think, to, if church, that, that uh, what do I do if I really want to fulfill the mission, the God's mission as a church? We've got to fight the urge to fight. Amen? We've got to fight that urge that wants to come back with a snappy comeback, a little sarcasm, a little oh, zinger. You know, we got to, man, I'm king of that some places. Man, I, I can't wait to get, mm, get in there. Yeah. And you know what? I, I may have won the argument, but I didn't win the person. Look what the Bible says here in 2 Timothy 2. It's one of these verses I can't stand in the Bible. I was shown to me as a young man. I'm still working on this one. As the Lord's servant, you must not quarrel. Oh, man. Instead, you must be kind to who? Everyone. Everyone? Everyone. It goes on to say, those who oppose you, you must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance. Those who oppose you, you must what? Gently, inst- does that take kindness? 
It takes lots of kindness, and I have to fight that urge to fight. Here and up on the screen, look at this proverb. Kind words make people want to learn more, and it's true. I've heard it said this way. I can't be persuasive as long as I'm abrasive. Well, let me tell you something, church. We can't be persuasive as long as we are abrasive. We have to be a church that learns to be kind to people. It takes a lot of guts to come through these doors. How do you know that? Because you took a lot of guts from you. Remember when you came in these doors? Man, I don't know these people. And so it's it's so important. That's why sarcasm doesn't work. Snarky comments don't work. I mean, after all, do they work on you? They don't work on me. Why would I think they'd work on anyone else? See, kind people are more concerned about, we say this over and over again, but it's so true. We're cons- kind people are more concerned about what is right and not who is right. They're really into that. And so they're, they're, they don't have a dog in the fight. And besides all that, God calls, kind people know this, God calls them to be kind as they're being clear. Look at this in 1 Peter 3. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you about the hope that you have. Be ready to give the reason for it, but do it gently and with respect. And if you knew the culture in which Peter was writing, it's much like the culture today. Very confrontational. Here's number five. I improved my spiritual edge. I wrote down here, you can't, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And my dad used to say, but just remember, son, you're not an old dog. Okay, what are you trying to say? And I, I heard my mentor say it to me like this. Yeah, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, Tim, and you're not a dog. You are a disciple, and a student is always learning. You're not called, you're not a dog. God didn't make you a dog. He made you a disciple. And so you're always looking, how can I have a greater spiritual edge? I've been watching, again, a lot of YouTube shorts, and you see the, the I don't know if you've seen the guy, you know, making the axe or sharpening it, and a woman splitting the logs that are like 30 inches across, and they and they, they sharpen this. guy's using a rag on how to sharpen the edge of the axe. You thicken it, thicken it, thicken it, and you get this perfect round edge on the axe. And then he just drops it on the log, and the log splits apart and screams, and it's just exciting. And that's, a tr- that's, a, that, that's, that's so true about anything that's sharp. Thanksgiving, I was carving up the turkey. I think we're going to have to change it to hacking up the turkey because it was a mess when I got done. Why? Because I had a dull knife. Denise goes, where did you get that knife? I got it right out of your drawer right there. Well, isn't there a sharper knife? I don't know. I saw a knife. I started cutting, and then it turned into a hack job. And so she goes, we got to get you a sharper knife. I said, I would appreciate that. Look at the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, a dull axe requires great strength. Be wise and sharpen the blade. I think one translation says, you fool, sharpen the blade. It won't take so much work. And, and see, and it's so true. Any job's easier when you're sharp. And when you're spiritually sharp, when you're working on that edge, because after all, church, a lot of us here, even some of us leaders here, overuse, we get dull. And we have to go back and get that edge back on there. And sharpen that skill. See, following Jesus is primarily about sharpening. Sharpening, my, not just saving me, but sharpening me. Uh, an example here, when you look at uh, uh, here in Matthew 4, Peter and Andrew are catching fish. And look what and Jesus says, you know, he says to them these words, Come with me, I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women. They didn't ask any questions, but simply dropped their nets and followed. They went, wow, this is cool. You're going to show me how to catch people? Yeah, I'm going to show you how to be influential with people. And, and 
they would, they would um, look at Jesus and go to Jesus and say, I want to follow you. Now, Jesus might save me from sin, but he also wants to sharpen me. He wants to sharpen those skills. And that's exactly what's going on here. They follow him, and do they become good at that? Yes, they do. They become extremely good because their, their skills get better and better. Um, we all are novices in some way. But if we'll spend some time, we can sharpen what, what seems to be so dull into a useful, useful skill that God can use to reach others. I, I think about different things I can do to sharpen my skills. And one is just get a, regularly read my Bible. Uh, Ron Willingham in his course, How to Speak So People Will Listen, says if you go over it enough, you're going to be able to talk about it in an interesting way. And it's being familiar with the Bible. If I want to talk about it, I need to be familiar with the Bible. And it might, it's going to take more than one time going through it. But you, you keep going. I know that here we go with the new year coming up. I want to encourage you to get a daily Bible or a, a Bible that you could read through the Bible in a year. It's good to be familiar. I'm still learning. Every time I read uh, through my daily Bible going, I didn't see that. How did I miss that? Or I'll go, I underlined that and I still don't remember re- underlining that. Who's been in my Bible? There's things, there's so much there that we can learn. There's a, there's a program or there's a little thing I've got called Sharpening the Sword. And if you don't know anything about that, it's really just a list of verses in the Bible. And you go and you highlight them in different colors and they're in different categories. I think it's written by Al Pickering. You might be able to still find it online. It's something I used. I've, re- I've really benefited from it. And I do have that sharpening a sword on a word file if you're interested. Sometimes maybe it's memorizing a verse a week. My 95-year-old father-in-law handed me a book called A Shovel and Muscles. It's about a guy sharing his faith. He's fa- somebody shared his faith with him and he became a Christian. And one of the things that this guy is saying in the book is he said i'm going to memorize a verse a week and i'll know more than a preacher in a year and here's my 95 year old father-in-law last this past week says to me have you read some of that book said yeah he goes what'd you think about that uh, memorizing a verse a week i said well i think that's a great idea bob and he goes i'm doing it i'm going to know more than you (laughs) he's 95 folks what's he doing learning more how dare him when he said, I, I want to know the Bible. And if I want to talk about it, I've got to know where stuff is. I've got to know what it says. Sometimes it's learning the studies. It's, it, we have several studies on how to share our faith with people. Or maybe sitting in on a study. Uh, or it might be pairing up with somebody and going out and inviting. I've learned a lot from others, watching others, how they engage and bring up the topic. Here's number six. Tell my story. You want to... You fulfill God's mission, just tell your story. Just tell your story. How many of you do this? Before you buy a product at Amazon, you look and see how many stars. Anybody done your own feedback with a video? I did some DeWalt clippers, hedge clippers, and I made a video. These things are great. It's like giving a haircut to my bushes. And everybody's I thought, you know what? I have to admit, I'm sold on it. But I'll always look at Yelp or look at something and go, how many stars? Before I decide I'm going to try that product. I'll, and you always got somebody going, well, I tried it and it didn't work. And I, you know, oh, you're negative. These other people go, oh, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It changed 
my life. Well, I'm getting it then. 26 bucks? Sure. It's going to change my life. Well, you know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that didn't have a lot of scriptures. They didn't share scriptures. They just shared their story. Woman at the well. Remember what she says? Hey, guys, come and see the guy that told me everything I ever did. Not one verse. Not one passage. She didn't quote it. She just, come and see this guy. Then you got a blind guy. You know, he, he's healed, and, and everybody's walking up and going, what happened? What happened to you? Oh, I, I, who did that? Well, he, he, uh, it was Jesus. You ever heard of him? I, I, what are you talk, what's he like? Well, you were talking to him. What's he like? What did he say? Do you think he's a sinner? And look at the words. Look at the words of this guy. He goes, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. The man replied, one thing I do know, I was blind. Now I see. And that's all I need to know. And sometimes we just need to say, this is my story. This is all it is. This is what happened. You read the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul tells his story twice. He tells his story twice. And you've got, you've, and by the way, in his epistles, he's always referring to his story. I've, I've always, I've heard this years ago, to have the best story, you just take the acronym B-E-S-T and just, that, that's how you can make a good story. What are you talking about? B stands for before. What was it like before I was a Christian? I mean, we could make some people's hair fall out around here, right? And then E stands for events. What happened? How did I get to the point where I was looking at Christ and what led up to my, to my commitment to Christ? And S, salvation. What did I do to be saved? And T, what's it like today? What's it like for me today? It's so simple. And I've, I've followed that for years now telling people this is what it's like before here's what happened here's who i met and then and and then here's what i studied the bible this is what i discovered i made my commitment and today this is what i'm doing it's a just tell your story it's simple it's simple to do do you know your story can you tell your story we talk about ourselves so much i'm sure we can right number seven be a positive person oh here we go be a positive person would you say that that uh, you're an upbeat, positive, optimistic person? Would others say you were an upbeat, positive person? Hello. See, people like positive people. They love being around. Why? And by the way, positive people are influential. They, you, they really do have a big impact. Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Now, I've always looked at this passage because I love Proverbs as, well, a cheerful heart is good medicine for me. You see that? And, and a broken spirit, well, it saps my strength. But it also has an impact on others. When you stop and think about it, a cheerful heart is a positive, cheerful, joyful heart is good medicine for those around you. And people, you know what? Uh, when I'm sick, I go to the medicine cabinet. I go to the medicine that works. Huh? And, and that, some people, man, they're just so positive, so good, so, such a joy to be with. They have, they have this positive capacity. I want to be around them. I get something from them. But nothing, let me tell you, nothing takes the air out of a room like somebody who's frumpy and grumpy. And, and if you want to ruin your message, just start whining and complaining about your spouse, your family, your job, your church, your health. It just, it'll ruin, the, it ruins the gospel. 
Look at the Bible says in Philippians 4. I think the NIV says, Rejoice the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. I love the way the message paraphrased it. Celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet. What am I making clear? He goes on to say that you're for them, that you're optimistic, you're on their side, that you're full of joy. Be a positive person. It has a big difference. You know, right now at Christmas time, people say, Merry Christmas, Merry... You can't hardly say that without smiling, huh? And somebody will say Merry Christmas before me. I must have that scowl. Merry Christmas. I go, oh, Merry Christmas to you. And you know, what about all year, man? Just being that positive person. Number eight, I maintain a clear conscience. I want to fulfill God's mission. I, I've got to maintain a clear conscience. This is what I've learned personally. Hidden, unconfessed sin steals my excitement. Hidden, unconfessed sin also hijacks my influence. And hidden, unconfessed, undealt with sin keeps my mouth shut. It's hard to talk about Jesus when I can't talk to him or I haven't talked to him about something. Look at here what Paul or, uh, David says in Psalm 38. It's up on the screen. He talks about the guilt and the shame and the hand of God being heavy on him because he's in sin. He says, my iniquities loom high over my head as a heavy burden, too heavy for me. And then he describes himself this way. I'm like a deaf man. I don't hear it. Like a mute, I don't say a word. I can't talk about the Lord because I've got this hidden sin that's just crushing me. And by Psalms 51, David decides to come clean with his sin. And look what he, look what he says here. He admits it openly. And he says, after he's talking about his sin and openly confessing it to the Lord and asking for his forgiveness, he says, Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I'll teach you your ways to other sinners. And they, guilty like me, will repent and return to you. His influence and his instruction are all lifted up because he's dealing with, he dealt with something he's been hiding. You hiding something? I don't have to know it. But someone needs to know so you can deal with it. Why? Because it'll free you. It'll open up your mouth. It may be the reason it's so hard for you to have any confidence in sharing your faith because you haven't dealt with it. Maintain a clear conscience. Number nine, I rely on God to give me the words. I love this passage in Proverbs in the easy-to-read version. There's nothing better than the right word at the right time. Is that true? How many times have you and I benefited Somebody said something at the right time, the right words at the right time. You go, oh, thank you for saying that. Oh, that, that just reassures me. Oh, man, I needed to hear that. Or I'm glad you spoke up. Oh, it's been such a blessing to hear those words. But also I noticed that the right word at the right time can also intimidate us and start make us think things like, well, what, you know, I don't know if I should say something. What if I don't have the right words? What if it's the wrong time? And so we begin to back up a little bit there. I see, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. Well, let me tell you, God promises to give you the words. He promises that, church. I visited my Uncle Larry last week. Danny and I went there, and we're driving. We went the long way. Well, we went another way around. We went through the town where I went to church camp as a teenager. Hadn't been there in 48 years. And I'm looking at this place and hearing the singing and think, thinking of the people and the teachers, it was awesome. But, I'm, but at the back of my mind, I'm 
as I'm driving to Flora, I'm going, what am I going to say to my Uncle Larry? See, he's asked Danny to t- ask me if I'd do his funeral. He wants me to talk about Jesus after he's dead. And I haven't said anything about Jesus to him while he's been alive. And I am freaking out scared because this is my favorite, favorite uncle. I know we all have uncles and aunts and we like them, but there's always that one that lets you shoot automatic weapons <laughs> without telling dad, you know. That's a, my, my Uncle Larry, is, I just love him. He called me Machacho when I was four or five years old. Always called Machacho. I love that about him. And, I, and here I am driving, down, and Danny's gabbering. We're talking about stuff. But in the back of my mind, going, what am I going to say? How am I going to bring this up? The man's dying of cancer now. They've not given him much long. And he's, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Tim, you can talk to a fence post. Yeah, well, not my Uncle Larry. I got my people there. It's hard to talk to, too. What am I going to say? And then I remembered this promise from Jesus when he said to his disciples, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say at the moment when you need them. And I said, oh Lord, I need them. And I began to pray about that. And guess what? He gave me the words. He gave me just the right words. They weren't, they weren't mean words. They weren't judgmental words. They were kind words. They urged him to look at his relationship with God. And I want you to know, church, God will help you find the right words. I don't know where to start. He'll help you if you ask him. He promises that. Number 10, I leave the rest to God. If I want, sometimes to fulfill God's mission, I've just got to do my job and step aside. Let God do the rest. I want to go back to that passage earlier we looked at in 1 Corinthians 3. He says this, goes on to say, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. That's interesting. He says, you know, we've been working, but God's the one that's actually making it grow. Again, earlier this week, I went by my childhood farm, and the farmhouse I grew up in has burned down. So now I'm looking at a hole and debris everywhere, and it's, it's, it's awful to see this beautiful, this home gone. But then I started looking around and I noticed this patch of ground, pretty large piece, where we made the family garden every, every spring. And everybody, everybody, it was five of us in our family, everybody had a job. Dad would come in with a Ford 4000 and with a three-bottom plow and he'd plow it up and then he'd disc it with the birch disc. And then he'd get the tiller out that ran half the time. And we, we, learned, we learned about cussing during the spring. <laughs> And he would be working the tiller and cussing and, and, and more tilling and cussing. And, we, we, and then, and then uh, he'd get it just right. I mean, Dad, the, the, the soil was perfect for seed. And then Mom would take a hoe and she'd make the furrow. And then Mike's over there raking, carrying off weeds and stuff. And there's Danny and he's putting the seeds in. And I've got the bucket of water and I'm... And we're planting and we've got all kinds of stuff, you know. And we're... And, and then here comes mom and she'd close up the furrows and pat it all down and we'd get done. And just a big old patch of dirt. There's no tomatoes. I don't see tomatoes. I don't see any 
green beans. Oh, man, I don't want to see another green bean, by the way. Yeah, they, they produce like rabbits, man. I mean, beans, beans. Well, lima beans, there's no lima beans. There's no beets. There's no potatoes. There's no corn. It's just... And mom goes, well, we're done. We're not, what, when are we eating? Well, it's now up to Mother Nature. It's up to nature to do the rest. I'd sneak out sometimes. I'd get, I'd get a whooping for this. I'd sneak out and I'd start digging a couple of days. That seed isn't changing. I don't see anything happening. What are you doing out there? I'm just looking at the seeds. Stop bothering the seeds. They'll be just fine. But it's nothing's working. Oh, I guarantee you, Tim, just give it a few days and you'll see something working. And next thing you know, here comes that sprout. And there's beans and there's, there's squash. There's all kinds of things, and it's a beautiful garden. The gospel's a lot like that. Working together, this family here, we all have a job to do. We're working together. And we're, we're, some of us here, you know, some of us here are great at inviting people. You're very, I look at Allison, and she just smiles. She's, she's just a friendly person. You walk in, I welcome the greener out in church. She's doing her part. She can do other things, but I, I, I look forward to seeing her smile. You got Bob and Sarah doing the coffee. Here's some coffee. And they don't mind I don't give any money. At least they act like that. You got the worship team. You got, you know, Alan up here with all these people around him, and they're singing their hearts out. And you're just like, wow, this is it's good to be at church. Man, it was a crummy week. It's good to be together. You got Bob Hawkins teaching a sunset, leading sunset. You got, you got some of you here. You're, you, you open up your, 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 your money. Floyd brings fruit. Everybody's doing little parts. You know what I'm talking about? Little parts. Lisa's out there handing me a bulletin. Hi, Tim. Here's a bulletin. And, and she says to me, You know, Tim, I'm thinking about getting baptized, and I want you to baptize me. I said, You name the time and the day, and it's done. It just, you know, and you got Nicole and Cassie and, and, and Ashley, they're all trying to get the bulletin going. I'm sorry, that's an old, that's an old reference. Sorry. They're doing the bulletin. That is an old spirit duplicator I used to do it on back in the 70s. Oh, sorry about that. But, you know, they're up, they're back there doing the, and, you know, and they're trying to make sure all the notes are good and everything's right. You got Eli and those guys up there and they're, I'm going to hit that button when Tim talks. I'm going to make sure it's, they're all, we're all doing our part. You know what I'm saying? We're all trying to do our part. And by the way, all these people could do other stuff. Debbie Weiler sits there and goes, I'll study with you. I'll study with you. I got cancer. I'll study with you. I got nothing to lose, girl. Let's get the Bible open. Let's look at this stuff. It's just, I see this all the time. I, go, I could go down the road, just about every one of us here. And, and somebody is do, planting, watering. But you know, when we get all done, we got to let God work. We've got to let God work. I probably need to hear that the most in this room. Because I'm always digging it up. What's going on? Are you getting in there? Is the temperature right? Is everybody happy? And, and it's Jesus going, get out of that garden for I come down here to whoop you. <laughs> Leave it alone, I'm working. I love this passage. It gives me such hope. 
It's up on the screen. My father is always working, and so am I. Jesus is always working. God is always working. Even when I'm not, God is always working. Sometimes his best work is when I'm out of the way. Some of his best work is when I've done my part, and he does his part. I love this proverb again. And I just, I look at these and go, is this really true? The king's heart is like streams of water. Both are under the Lord's control. And look what it says. He turns them in any direction he chooses. God, you can do that. You can, you can change hearts. You can maneuver people around. You really can do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do it all the time, Tim. I can't. That's right. That's why that's not your job. That's not in your job description. You're just to point and influence, but I'm the one that I can move people around. I can do work you can't. And if you feel inadequate, it's because you are inadequate. So it's okay. I am not. I am able. So just do your job, and I'll do the rest. See, after we're done, God continues to work, and he works on the hearts of people. In the book of Acts, let's, let's close this series out. What a powerful passage in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are looking for a place to pray. They find a riverbank. They're going down there to pray about reaching people. And they find some people. And they want to listen. And they begin to talk. And look here in verse 14. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer of purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. What? The Lord opened her heart. Not Paul and Silas. They just talked. God opened the heart to respond to what they had to say. God will open the heart of a teenager. We're watching that. Praise God. Praise God. God will open the heart of a wife or a husband. God will open the heart of Grandpa and Gigi God will open the heart, the hardest of hearts too. And how do we know this? Because he opened your heart and he opened mine. So let's work together. Let God do the rest. Here's your chance to, if you want to respond to this lesson by uh, maybe writing something in a card, maybe you want to pray about something, I would encourage you. One of those things I hope you'll list is, God, help me be bold. Help me be able to share. Help me learn the skills I need. Or maybe I need to deal with a sin I just haven't been talking to anyone about. I need to talk to somebody about. And get it out so the, so the message can get out. It's kind of like clogging it up where it can't get out. You know, or, or maybe, maybe you got, I got somebody that's sick and I just want, could you, would you pray for them? Absolutely, we'll pray for them just as much as we pray for you, of course. And we're going to give you a chance to do that. And then we'll... Uh, close out our services and uh, again wish you a happy holiday enjoy this week before christmas and we'll see you next week at 6 p.m let's pray father thank you for um, just some great passages that you've let us see let us read some stories that may have encouraged us and helped us father father we pray you'll help us recognize what you want us to do now we know you, we can do other things. And if we're novices, you can teach us and you can equip us. But for right now, Father, help us do what we know we can do. Help us as a church do our part and fulfill your mission, this mission on earth. And Father, we pray that um, 
anyone here, Father, that's looking for you, that today help them see you a little more, draw closer to you a little bit, a little more than they were before they came here. We praise you, God. Thank you. Thank you for being so kind to us. And we worship you in the name of Christ. Amen. I need you more, more than yesterday. I need you more, more than words can say. I need you more than ever before. I need. I need you more.